Blog Talk Radio. It's June 19th. 2019. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members and the interest of the membership. Working for a Living radio show is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters, and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and Listen Notes. That's the new one, Listen Notes. Also, follow us on Twitter at 4 underscore working. We hope that all of our listeners had a wonderful week, stayed safe, and enjoyed their family time. Uh, Jeff Brown is... Uh, otherwise disposed at the moment, but we hope to have him back in here soon, so I'll just continue at the moment. Uh, Working for a Living Radio Show continues to support Medicare for Everyone, the end of corporations being considered legal citizens. We vehemently oppose General Motors' November 26th decision and admonishes them to reverse that ill-conceived decision immediately, and we support the UAW's boycott of the Mexican-built Chevy Blazer, and we support Red Shirt Wednesday campaign. Let me see if I got something here that I'm supposed to be looking at. Uh, okay, alrighty, uh, gotcha. And we will uh, finish up with the announcements here, and I have a little special uh, person here that's going to help out a little. Uh, so, uh, let's see, announcement number two, Mary Barra stated that there's no new GM vehicle coming in Lordstown this past week, she said that. Uh, announcement number three, Walgreens cuts long-time health care benefit for retired, existing retired em- uh, employees. Uh, next week, there'll be no Father's Day show, and want to have many thanks uh to all of our worldwide investigative reporters. We much appreciate that. Let me bring on uh, our friend here that's always in standby for us. Uh, Hi, Tom. How are you this evening? I'm great, Leroy. How about yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. I think Jeff has had to step out or been uh, uh, picked on somewhere. Let's see. Who is this? Um, uh, Yeah, we got you. We have a special guest coming in here in a minute. And I, I have you in the switchboard here brother and we'll bring you in and uh, have a nice discussion here in just a minute Um, and I saw you there so we're all good thank you very much Uh, and here's our friend Jeff Jeff made it let me get him in here Uh, there he goes morning Jeff you up I'm up now Leroy (laughs) (laughs) that's my brother Well, you know how those Michigan fans are, Leroy. Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Got the trio on here, Ohio State fan, Michigan State fan, and and a U of M fan, University of Michigan. So, yeah, that's okay, Jeff. We still still care a great deal about you. Wait till you see what we have in tune. Have you seen the notes yet? No, I'm trying to get into my computer right now. 
Yeah, take a look at them real quick, buddy. I'm, I, you know, I've been running behind all all day. Actually, I I had to uh, drive a very close friend of mine to Metro Airport and back uh, at short notice late in the day. So I've been behind the curve uh, ever since. So I uh, a little bit late, but not not uh, too late. Maybe a few seconds for the show, but uh, I'm sure that uh, that that happens to all of us from time to time, including Jeff. <laughs> So, nice to have you on here as well, Tom. Thank you. We're going to bring on a special guest. So if you two guys want to talk about your week, and let me go make sure we got the right guy uh, on here, and I'm going to put him in screen mode, and we'll uh, make sure that he's prepared and ready to come on. And then I'll kind of walk him through a little little interview, and if you have questions, just jump in there as that goes along. Let me, let me uh, turn this over to you two for a couple minutes. How's that? That, that's great, Leroy. You there, Jeff? I do. Yeah, I'm here. How you doing, Tom? I got my Ohio State shirt on tonight, and I uh, was out at uh, my grandson's flag football game. Uh, I just missed making the playoffs, the championship game, but uh, pretty nice down here in Ohio. I don't know how you guys are doing up there in Michigan. Usually, we get a day or two later with the weather you get up there, with the weather pattern being the way it is with the rain and stuff coming out of the yeah. Southwest. So it's that's really about my cloudy. Uh, today it was partly Here. cloudy. Yesterday, bright sunshine, Jeff. Bright sunshine. Hmm. Eighty degrees. I see. I see they uh, postpone the uh, the race at Michigan Speedway till tomorrow because of rain. Yeah, my my daughter and my son-in-law are up there. They tried to get me to go up there. Usually they hold that race on Father's Day, and I I, I used to go up with them, but the, they changed the date now, so I I really can't get up there at, uh, at that particular week before Father's Day. So uh, I had an inter- interesting trip there, a short trip that uh, you guys sent me on and uh, filling out paperwork. That, uh, that trip was uh, a little boring but very informational, and uh, uh, I really enjoyed uh, learning how to fill out those forms for the Freedom of Information Act. <laughs> I, I didn't know there was that much detail in those filling out those forms. And, of course, government, they, they always want money. They want money for you to fill out a form. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I gave you a but, template, Tom. I mean, it's supposed to be easy after I give you a template, right? <laughs> Well, I, I ran the credit card through the machine, and it said it wasn't working, insufficient oh. funds. Well, as a matter you, of fact, the, the credit card number uh, changed, uh, so I had to actually, uh, you know, I, I own the hosting company that owns my 63, or that hosts my 63 websites, and uh, that credit card changed, as, as you know now, and for some reason, even though I put in all the correct information on the, I have to lease lease the uh, the the, the uh, servers, uh, so the that uh, that didn't take this month, and we were shut down for about three hours today. Another little reason why I was behind the curve. I didn't expect to have to go in there and, and fix that, but I found it within yeah. within a couple hours, and it took about a half hour to fix. Uh, to find out what was wrong because I had actually put in the correct information. Nobody knew why it didn't take, so that uh, we just re, uh, resubmitted it and it went through no problem. But uh, that could have been part of your problem there, Tom. So 
<laughs> well, I thought, I thought it was my fault, uh, Leroy. I thought, you know, I did stop after I got off the airplane down there in Dallas. You know, it's quite a different uh, story that rather than going into Reagan International. It's the first time I've been in Dallas, Dallas uh, D.C. airport or whatever the hell they call it. I don't like it myself. It's uh, more, more or less up in the Baltimore area, and I didn't know that. But uh, I stopped at a great steakhouse. And they, the credit card worked there, but uh, I thought maybe I overspent and you had me on a budget. <laughs> so it, it, it came out all right. I got home. Well, right. you know, it's you not know. unlimited, but <laughs> but, but it, was, it, it expired and uh, just because of the, the date at the time expired. And, yeah. and for security yeah. reasons, we changed uh, the number, the last four numbers on it. So that's that may have been going on uh uh, at some point during your trip as well, sometime we got all fixed. Yeah. Uh, but okay. uh, you guys got anything else to the, to, uh, to wrap up there? Because we got a really cool special guest tonight. No, no. Go ahead with the guest. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited to hear uh, hear what's yeah. going on here, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure leave everybody listening on on live on air. So if you, if you might want to just mute your own phone. And then if you have any questions, just come on in. That way we won't pick up any background noise. Uh, and then the, the switchboard's full. I, I want to thank all the switchboard people that are in the switchboard for coming in. We really appreciate you uh, calling in and listening like this. Much appreciated. Let me bring on our, our guest for you. Um, uh, here he's, I believe he's on air now. Let me just uh, give you a little uh, uh, premise for all this, a uh, primer. Uh, we have uh, our good brother Lincoln uh, on air tonight, and he's going to tell us about what it's been like from being notified or just working at uh, the Lordstown facility and just simply from going to work every day there and how that notice and uh, what's occurred in his life since that when he was working at Lordstown and he was transferred to another facility that he's going to tell us all about that whole process, and I'm going to help guide him through it with a few questions. And please welcome to our show Lincoln from Lordstown, now transferred to Wentzville. Welcome, Lincoln. Thank you. Yeah. So how how are you doing today? I mean, how was your week last week? Um, I'm on afternoons. You you go to work. You deal with uh, the management and the number of uh, temporary employees that we have in this plant, and the fact that management is used to being able to do whatever they want and not following the rules. So that makes things interesting at times. Right. That's that's a, uh, something we're aspiring to fix here. Uh, we put a lot of pressure on just about everybody we can think because our UAW constitution says uh, work permits are not allowed to be issued for any longer than three consecutive months. That's our old 90-day rule in the uh, collective bargaining agreements. And we're going to get back to that, uh, I'm pretty sure here, uh, because this indefinite uh, temporary situation has caused a lot of problems, as you're absolutely aware of. But let's just start. Uh, you were working at Lordstown, and you have a number of years, and you're pretty established. Uh, and you were working along 
uh, at you know going in every day at your job, and then what happened, Lincoln? Tell me that something happened even before the uh, notice of transfer or closing or anything. You tell me about that. I tell the listeners about it. Well, I was working uh, with the three chefs. Uh, this would have been probably about almost through two and a half, three years ago. Um, and I was actually out for surgery. I, I had a, a gastric sleeve, and while I was out, they announced that third shift was being cut. So um, I finished up what I did, and I came back, and everything was just turmoil, people upset. Uh, we figured everything would balance out in a year or so, and third shift would come back, that it was a temporary thing. Uh, my wife had actually, just before that announcement, had been working as a temp in Lordstown, and she got laid off just before that announcement, um, put us in turmoil a little bit, but not too bad. We got all of that situated, and working as we do uh, on the line, the, the jobs, you know, when you go to be a doctor, you pay for it with money and schooling and time. When you get into the automotive industry, you pay for your job with your body through repetitive motion injuries. And I wound up with carpal tunnel, trigger finger. Uh, I had a, a knee issue that was maybe related to work, but I wasn't worried about that. Um, would would you like to explain? Uh, let's let's start with carpal tunnel. Some of the listeners may or may not know, because we have a global audience. Uh, and some are just professionals, and they work in an office, and they wouldn't know what carpal tunnel is. Do you want to explain just what carpal tunnel is and then your your trigger finger uh, issue? Okay. Explain what those are so that the listeners understand and know what it is that will be, be following um, No problem. Carpal tunnel is where you have damage to the nerves in your wrist from the tendons, swelling, and the repetitive motion. Uh, a number of like secretaries will get it because of the way they position their hands with the keyboard, but we also get it from the different bends and pounding and pushing everything into part. Um, they wind up cutting open typically, in my case at least, the palm of my hand going in and cutting the tendons, relieving pressure in the wrist on the nerves and correcting the issue. Uh, Right. Trigger finger. And that also, also doesn't that also come from like using a torque gun or uh, a drill or something like that? That the torque ends suddenly, and all of a sudden you get a, sh a shock to your wrist, and that causes that to swell. Is isn't that something that also occurs? Yes. Yes, okay. it does. Um, yeah. Okay. Along with the 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 trigger finger is the the swelling of the tendon in the palm of your hand to your finger and you'll actually wake up with your finger locked in a bent position and unable to move it with that hand. You have to take your other hand and straighten out your finger and get it to bend before it starts to work right. Right. And much like the wrist, they go in through the palm of your hand and sever the tendon some and make room and everything goes back to a relative normal of use. Okay, so you had suffered these medical maladies on, on the job and maybe a knee uh, issue, and we all understand what a knee issue could be, but
but the, the carpal tunnel and trigger finger, a lot of people don't understand that. So I'm pleased that you and happy that you uh, explained that for everybody and the reasons why. Uh, and the whole notion that professionals sit in an office and they, you know, they don't have to suffer these maladies as an auto worker does uh, in, uh, uh, you know, our work over the years and decades. So, um, myself, I, I picked up an awful lot of gray iron in my lifetime. I, at one time, was picking up 30 tons, and my com my spine compressed because of all of that. And I have my own. Uh, back maladies uh, even today, although I'm, uh, you know, I got them under control pretty well. I do an awful lot of stretching and uh, exercising like you uh, in order to uh, keep that uh, uh, fully uh, um, uh, extended as, be as best it can be so that I don't suffer as much. But it, uh, two or three times a year it goes out and I have to get medical uh, attention for that. So uh, I understand fully all of this, and now the listeners sort of get, you know, auto workers' jobs are not easy jobs, and you know, and now we get into other situations while, uh, you know, uh, plants get closed and transfers occurs. And so, let me ask you: uh, Were you off work when the notice came for your uh, transfer? And tell me how. Did your, your spouse also get a transfer? Tell the okay. listeners here for that. Well, with my wife being a temp, she has she had no recall rights, no transfer rights, no anything. Um, she did take schooling and got into a different profession while we were still running two shifts, of which I, I barely made the cut and made it through the, the two shift. It was when they went to cut second that uh, I went out for the medical repairs uh, that I was holding out and I was out on medical where when you're like that, they, they can't transfer you. I can't choose to transfer. I can't be forced to transfer anywhere. Come this uh, March, I got released from medical to go back to work and on the layoff. Right. Two weeks after I was released from medical to go back to work, the notice, the force notice to go to Wentzville showed up on my doorstep. Okay, so were you working at the time, or did they automatically put you on layoff once you were released from medical? I was automatically laid off when I came off of medical because okay. my seniority couldn't hold the plant. Okay, so your seniority couldn't hold the plant, and then in a couple of weeks you got a notice in the mail, and this was a notice of forcing or an option to take this or, or not? The exact wording is, it's, we, we all call it a force, but it is a non-voluntary offer is what it is. Um, they start, uh, Wentzville put in a request for a number of people. So they take a look at everybody that has into the system a request to transfer and anybody that wants to go to Wentzville would start at the highest seniority and they would work their way down through the list. Now once they get to the bottom of the list, if they don't have enough people, they start at the bottom of the list and they send non-voluntary offers saying that this is the day that you report to Wentzville 
if you do not take this offer, uh, any of your negotiated benefits that you receive during layoff come to a full and complete stop. And the only way that you will return to work to General Motors is if your plant that you're laid off from calls you back. And in the case of Lordstown being shut down because I returned from medical the last week that Lordstown was running, I didn't know if that would even be a remote option. Right. Right. And, and we, we've been staying out of the business of advising anybody on what to do. These are personal choices because, as uh, we discussed in, in our inner circle, these uh, we don't know what Lordstown's going to do. And should they not put a product there, uh, you know, and you chose to not go take a transfer, you're going to be uh, out of work for a while. You may not ever get back to work. So we, as a policy, uh, you know, so that you know and the listeners know, um, told folks that kept asking, this is a personal choice, but these are the things that could could occur, and you might not get a product there. So we, we're pretty clear from, you know, we have a lot of people that ask us a lot of questions through the week and stuff. So uh, that was our, our uh, policy here on the show and our and on our group because we, we don't get in the business of making life choices for other people. So uh, now you said that your uh, the, the notice said that you're, um, and this is for the listeners' benefit because many of us already know, um, or most all of us uh, on on uh, on our team here know. Uh, but for their benefit, would you, for the listeners' benefit, would you go through? What benefits you would lose your, your negotiated benefits should you have turned down this uh, involuntary uh, offer? Yes, uh, the benefits that I would be losing, at least the ones I can I can list off the top of my head, are uh, medical coverage. I had earned 13 months by the time that I, with the amount of time that I've worked for the company, I had 13 months of medical coverage for myself and my family that was continuing and that would stop almost instantly. Uh, I've heard it would stop at the end of the month and I've talked to people that turned it down and it stopped that week. Uh, I would also lose what's called subpayment. Uh, it's an additional amount of money on top of unemployment to bring me closer to what I would be making if I was working. Right. That's uh, if your unemployment that's runs out, yeah, the full term of sub is supplemental unemployment benefits. It was negotiated uh, decades. Uh, I mean, it was there when I hired in 50 years ago. So uh, sub's been around a long time, and uh, it's it's a nice thing to have. You know, like you say, it takes you almost to your regular wage level. So uh, anything else you would be losing, Lincoln? Uh, the right to transfer. Uh, there, there would be no transfer rights. The only way to return to work would be, as I said, if Lordstown started back up. If that didn't happen, you are completely out of work. Uh, I'm not aware offhand of anything else that I would be losing, but the medical benefits are really huge. The right to transfer is is big because, at least in the area where I live, there was nothing even past half of what I would wind up making working for General Motors. Right, 
right. everything in my area is like ten, eleven dollars. If I drive an hour, I could hit fifteen, sixteen. Right. The, the work, wages have been suppressed, you know, just you know, horribly over the last twenty to thirty years, depending on how you want to measure it. Okay. So once you're faced with this letter in the mail and you assess all of what you just talked about losing and the opportunity for work but the work is how many miles it's 900 or a thousand miles away uh 630 640 somewhere around there okay so is about what the mileage is from from my driveway to where i'm staying at it's about 630 miles i think okay so straight through is nine hours and 20 minutes if you don't stop. Yeah, that's nonstop, not even for gas, right? I mean, or you just got to get gas with 600 miles. You probably have to one stop for gas. And and uh, basically, you know, you're on the road straight through, and that's you know, tiring and dangerous, and you get sleepy after you work the whole shift trying to get home to see your family, right? Right. I've actually so, only gone home twice since I left. Right. So... So then, I mean, you were faced with this, and you sat down with your family, your spouse, and, and your family, and some of your friends probably. Uh, can you tell us about that process? Um, for me, uh, it's a lot. it was a lot different for me than from other people, I'd imagine, because the moment I was offered a permanent position and signed for it, the wife and I sat down and talked, and this was a number of years ago, that the option, you know, even though Lordstown was booming, three shifts, overtime, Saturdays, when I was made permanent, the wife and I discussed the fact that the time may come where I have to transfer to follow the job, that this could happen. Because uh, during the four years where I was a temporary employee, we saw a lot of people forced into Lordstown from Michigan and Spring Hill. So I've been on both sides of, of that fence. Right. Um, and it was decided at that time that I was made permanent that we would most likely follow the job. Okay. So you, you in advance, had the foresight to sit down with your spouse and, and talk about that this, this is something that's a reality in our life, and we may have to – you know, follow that job, or you have to follow the job, and we'll discuss on how you made that decision and how it's going for you now in a minute. But so uh, the the other thing that you mentioned just now, you said you were on both sides of that, watching people get forced in and now watch you know being forced out. Do you want to talk about how it was at Lordstown when people were forced in? How did how did they? Um, a lot of the people, and, and they came in from different avenues because the, the corporation wants everybody split in the division. Uh, they want us fighting amongst ourselves. Right. So you had people coming in from Michigan where their plants had closed, people from Wisconsin coming in uh, with Jamesville that are, are now in Wisconsin, that are now here in Wentzville with me. Yes. Um, these yes. people... Oh, a lot of them came in angry and hateful at both the company and 
towards me as a temporary employee that I didn't belong. I actually had somebody say, not knowing that I was a temp, that the guy that he was bumping off of a job, he went, oh, he's just a temp. Like, he didn't matter. He wasn't a real person. It, it didn't matter. Um, these people were rooming together, getting hotels, staying in hotels, which is exactly what we're seeing here. Um, and, and struggling and not having friends and not having family. And then they were receiving um, attitude from a lot of the temps and even the permanent people. And then you had people that were Delphi transfers that were coming in. In addition to the Michigan uh, transfers and the Wisconsin and Spring Hill. Uh, and those people were, had their, their, they weren't getting their seniority dates from corporate being acknowledged because they work for Delphi, they now have new seniority dates of 2008, but they're seven years from retiring or eight years from retiring. Right. And, that, and, and let me explain what the Delphi situation, just real briefly while, before we go too far. There was a company called Packard Electric. Where my stepmother was a, a, a committee person, a steward, they called them, at that facility in Warren, Ohio, a uh, little north. Uh, east of uh, Lordstown, and uh, or, I'm sorry, northwest. I'm, uh, any, anyhow, well, that Warren's was where I was. Yeah, yeah, okay. But Lordstown, they're just it's in the same area essentially. But and then General Motors uh, bought Del, uh, bought Packard Electric, and then that got spun off into Delphi uh, as a part part of. And there was a lot of verbiage in in that spin off. Uh, where they were supposed to get their seniority and pension and health care money transferred from the uh, Delphi Corporation because that, uh, that morphed into that. And then many of those folks, that when that uh, closed, they chose the option uh, to move into Lordstown when Delphi went bankrupt. So, um, so that's, that's how those people came into Lordstown. At least in in your area, there were d other Delphi locations where people transferred around the nation. It's, it, in some instances, I know they've gone to Buffalo, New York. Uh, we had a Delphi close in Allendale, which is west of Grand Rapids here in Michigan, and they they actually flowed into my own uh, last plant that I was at, so uh, the parts plant. Uh, so that's the story behind Delphi. But you had those people coming in. And they were angry as well. So uh, a lot of angry people coming in to work at Lordstown then, right? Yes, a lot of angry. There were some that just accepted it. And uh, the Spring Hill people that came, they were a different story altogether because a number of the Spring Hill people that came up to work, they were coming up to work as temporary employees. They weren't there to stay. They were there as summer help for a few months to keep their benefits rolling because they were coming to the close of uh, their unemployment and their subs. So they were there just to uh, spruce things up for a few months. So you right. have that. These were seniority tier one health. people, right? Lincoln, were yes. these tier yes. one people who had to, had to accept a, tier, a temporary job with less money just to keep their benefits going, correct? Uh, they were tier one. They were not taking it for less money. They were. They got their their full normal wages. They were not bumped down to the tier two wages or anything else. But they were only temporary employees with very limited rights 
and they were not forced. It was an option. They could have said no because the distance was so far. Right. Okay. But their medical their benefits choice. were about to run out, so they opted to come up and work. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So that's sort of what you were faced with. You you saw these people coming in, and you uh, had heard, you know, how they got forced out or, or their circumstances on how they, they came in to, to your facility, and you were aware of that. You sat down in advance with your family and discussed this, your spouse especially, and discussed this option, and you made the decision in advance that you would follow the, your job. Okay, so when the letter came and you knew what you were going to do, so that was a little different than a lot of other people who had to face basically shock and awe, correct? Yes, plus I was on, because I was on medical leave, I saw the the date of the people that were coming to Wentzville, and I saw that they had already actually passed my hire date while I was on medical leave. So I knew as soon as they put in a new rack, I was getting the notice. It was coming. I had several weeks of, of that head up. But even a few months prior to that, when we saw how things were headed and that it would be more likely, my wife looked at me and said, wherever you go, I follow. Right. Which I've seen a lot of people don't have that. The wives in that will not come to Wentzville. Right. Right. Okay. And that's got to be horrid. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I know, uh, and you know, there's a lot of people going through hell right now over this. Uh, so, uh, you you knew in advance. And to be clear again, while you're on medical, you are protected from any forced transfer, or involuntary transfer, or any other type of notice. Uh, you know, they can send you something, but it it has no full full effect on you because you are on a different leave and they can't do anything until you return from that leave. So that, well, they, that's they, can't, they don't even they don't even send you anything when you're on leave. You don't even show up as, in the system as an option. Okay. But as a counterpoint, you can't choose to go anywhere because while I was on medical, uh, they may have taken people into Fort Wayne, which was one of the places I probably would have preferred because it's only four hours away from home, not nine. But I know that they took people to Flint, Michigan, and Spring Hill, Tennessee while I was on medical. Right. So it was, it was sort of a, a crapshoot of which one you're going to go to, wasn't it? It was. my When I initially went out and got the surgery done, because everybody was hoping second shift would come back in about a year, um, I figured that between the surgeries and I, I actually had a complication kept me out longer, um, that I would come back within a month or two of the second shift returning and I wouldn't miss a beat. I would just go right back to work, and life would be good and simple, and we could continue along close to, to family and friends back home, and that is completely not what happened. Right. Okay. So then, then you know, you knew you, you made the decision, and then what was your next step after you made the decision? I mean, you had a, a, a report date that you had to report to Wentzville, and, you know, there's some money involved. They, give, they do give you a little money here and there, uh, and it usually t- takes a while for all of it to show up. But 
uh, you, uh, you want to explain uh, your next step in your life and uh, kind of let people know how difficult this really is? Uh, so I saw, I knew the no I knew that I got the notice before it actually showed up on my doorstep because I signed online and and found the force letter. Right. Um, I went I went to Lordstown. I signed up. The wife was with me. We we made our full decision on the time frames and which option we were bringing, and we had already talked about driving out here to check it out. So it was a Wednesday that I went and signed my paperwork. I got home that afternoon from some other running we did, and the the actual physical letter was sitting on my front steps. They didn't even have anybody sign for it, uh, which, which I feel is a, a bit unprofessional considering the level of decision this is. What if it got knocked down or not found? Not everybody right. uses their front door. wind blows off the, off the step somewhere, you know. Yeah. Wow. Right. And it, it's two pieces of paper in a cardboard FedEx envelope. I got it, yeah. I got it. Yeah. should have a signature required on it so that they know you yeah. actually got it. I understand. That's that's very unprofessional and needs to be addressed to the corporation. For sure. So, and they listen. So that you know, we're trying to fix some things here as we go through this. Hopefully, people, you know, get it and they start making the proper decisions. This FedEx envelope should be signed for with something this important. I just didn't know. Yeah. But I want to. I want to note something else. You know, you said you you went to sign your paperwork on a Wednesday. This was like a. Yeah. I mean, you remember the day of the week it was. This was a big significant event in your life, wasn't it? It's called a significant emotional event to the point where SEE, they call them. And and this is uh, so significant that you remember the day of the week that it was. This, this is a big deal in your life, isn't it, Lincoln? How could it not be? Because I, I grew up in Warren, which is 15, 20 minutes from Lordstown. They actually share the same zip code. Uh, I was I was born outside of Warren, moved into Warren when I was two years old, and I've only lived in two houses there my whole life. Uh, yeah, my yeah, friends so, that so, I yeah. see all the time are from junior high. I mean, it, it couldn't not be huge. Right, right. And so, so you know, I I went to elementary school in McDonald at Roosevelt, and then I lived in uh, Gerard. Uh, Niles area, and then I, I graduated from Liberty, so I, I know the area really, really, really well, and have a lot of affinity for it. Tom and I, the other gentleman on the, uh, the show, our brother, Tom, uh, and I met about ten or eleven years old, over in, in the north side of Liberty. So, um, I had a Youngstown uh, had a zip code and address. So, but uh, and and Tom's, you know, he's he's from there, Jeff is from the Detroit area. Well, he's actually from Ohio. I keep forgetting a little south. Uh, and uh, but uh, uh, so we have a lot of affinity for the area. And some of the listeners don't know that, but it's uh, you know Warren, where you lived and grew up, like you said, is maybe 20 minutes at the most uh, from Lordstown Plant. Maybe you know I don't even know if it's that much, but 
uh, depending on how you drive, you know. So, um, but so it was a big event in your life, and then you went home, and did you decide what to do with your home or your residence where you were staying, and how you were going to handle that? And tell us about that now in the next step of your transition. Well, that weekend after we signed the paperwork, we drove to Wentzville to check out the area, get a feel, and see what it was like. Right. Uh, and that was very overwhelming because our traffic level in, in the Warren area, when we talk about bad traffic, we talk about either Cleveland or Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, multiple lanes, heavy traffic. As we came through St. Louis to get to Wentzville and the Wentzville highways, it was more extreme than either one of those two. And it was, it was quite overwhelming having six lanes of traffic going everywhere. It's a 60 mile, it's 60 miles an hour, not a big deal, but everybody's doing 80, 85. And then suddenly there's two lanes going off and on none of the roads, can you just turn into the stores that they all have access roads on the side which is like nothing we have back in our home er back in my home area so it was, that was a lot to, to overwhelm and and try to get a grip on yeah the community is much different i mean my drive to the airport today you know i was being passed i was going 83 and people were passing me going 95 <laughs> Okay, so I understand that that whole dynamic of uh, culture shock just in the, the driving patterns. So that that was something to behold. Uh, so you're you're looking at this new community, and it's it's just much different than what you're used to. A little more laid back, uh, even in the speed limits. So uh, so yeah. you assess this new community. I mean, and and you know the show. Our team have many friends in that area and we reached out to one brother and we don't want to out him on the air but uh to give a hand to anybody that uh, uh was uh needing assistance trying to just navigate their way around there because it's you know just culture shock beyond the pale and you know who i'm talking about but uh, we won't mention his name on the air uh so and and you've done some some things to facilitate this too and we'll get into that as as you want to here, but once you once you got there and looked around, did you then then what happened? I mean, you were looking for a place to stay, and and you're looking where's the plant and how what's the proximity that I want to be in, and and you know all of the the things that you want to make sense of. So, how did that go? Um, we hadn't really picked out a specific area where we wanted to live. Uh, I actually didn't have a place definitely to stay until just a few days before I, I left home uh, because hotels are super expensive. We were, co we're coming up here with the aspect of we're not going back. We're not going with a return plan to Warren. We're, we're coming to Wentzville. We're staying. This is where we're setting up. So I didn't want to sign for an apartment, which I've never had, because they all want leases for six months or a year and nobody's willing to work by a single month. Um, I was looking on Craigslist for guys running out rooms out of St. Louis just because 
I'm a big guy. I'm a physically big guy. I'm six foot four. I'm over 300 pounds. I'm not easy to kidnap. So I wasn't worried about people with me in a in a house so long as I could lock my stuff up. Right. I did wind up that one of my one of our brothers uh, that I met in Lordstown worked beside him as a temp had came up several weeks before me had bought a house already for his wife and his stepdad and he's letting me stay in his basement till I get situated and find a place and that's actually where I'm sitting at right now. Okay. That's nice of him. That's very nice that you're able to work uh, with, you know, with the, the brother, and he's helping helping out. And you give him a stipend probably for something, you know, for staying there. You know, not not hotel rate, but you know, something to offset that for himself, so he gets a little benefit out of it too. So that's nice. It's very nice of you to work together like that. So, um, y- you know, I <laughs> uh, I left. I've, I've moved four times in my career. I started in, in, in just a little brief thing here. I started at the Pioneer Hall at UAW, where the building, where the sit-down strikes took place. Suddenly, I wound up in a three-year layoff, and, I, and they hired people around us, seniority people, you know, 14 years in, and they were hiring six-year people so to go to Lansing from Flint. And so I wrote a letter, and that caused us all that had been overpassed to go to Flint, but or to Lansing, and then I went back to Flint, and then back to Lansing, and then another plant in in uh, the Lansing area. But after I decided, like you, you know, I need to find a permanent residence because I drove it most of the time for about two and a half years, I guess, and then I decided it was time to you know make a permanent move. After I did that, you know, I was divorced. And I looked at my phone one day when I came home from work at uh, BOC at the time. And it had been two and a half weeks since the last phone call came in. You know, because you're busy working, you don't have any new friends where you're at, and your old friends have, through the two and a half year process, have kind of faded away because you're driving in the times that you would be normally seeing them. You're spent, your time is spent driving back and forth working 10 hours a day and two and a half hours drive time every day. So, you know, chances of seeing your friends are pretty slim. So I get what you're going through right now. You know, you're still trying to establish yourself in a new place, and it's never, never easy. And I only added that so that – and we didn't have the Internet back then. We didn't, couldn't, you know, dial up somebody and say, give you a PM message and say, hey, let's, you know, let's go out. I'm just got cabin fever. You know, this is this is damned hell at best being transferred like this. So that's my two cents worth at this point. But so now that you're you're you've, you've gotten yourself a place to stay temporary, while you're still in this, you know, looking for a place for you and your spouse. So your spouse is still back at your old – did you own a home back in Warren near Lordstown? Um, uh, yes, we owned it. Um, very fortunate there. The The house is not in a good neighborhood, and it's not in good condition. And we, we wanted to move, but every time we've started to look at houses, 
I'd get some itch or twitch and be like, no, it's, it's not the time. We need to do this first or that first. So our house is completely paid off. Our cars are paid off. The, the only reoccurring bill that we have that could be paid off and gone away is her student loans from college 20 years ago before we got married. Um, even our credit cards were paid off. We were in an amazing position for this to happen. Okay, so uh, she's still in Warren working at the job. She said she went to school after she got laid off from as a temp. From, she actually, uh, right? She actually just quit. Uh, she just quit her job because I'm supposed to be closing this Wednesday on a house here. Um, okay. She had gotten last August a job at the Cleveland Clinic as a pharmacy tech. Okay. So and she's having what's going to be a career. Pretty, pharmacy tech is a pretty fungible job. I mean, it's you know it's something that's the same in Cleveland as it is in in Wentzville, you know, or St. Louis. So she can uh, uh, you know prob most likely find a pharmacy tech job uh, in that new area as easily as she got the one there in Cleveland. Do you think that's the case? Uh, absolutely, especially with, as you know, but not all of the listeners would know, uh, Cleveland Clinic is a major hospital, top-notch, people coming from all over the world for surgeries because of their specialists and everything. So her working there and mixing up the nuclear medicines and the IVs and everything that needed to be done, uh, it's really, really going to look good on on her resume when she comes here. Uh, she's actually already registered with the state of Missouri, that, and she's put in a couple job applications already from back home. Okay. Yes, oh, and it, as you just said, Cleveland Clinic is top-notch. It's, um, you know, the other school, or the other schools that are also uh, hospitals, like the U of M is considered, hospital is considered in the top three, and uh, Mayo Clinic, but Cleveland Clinic, in many of the disciplines, is the number one hospital in the world. So this is a very renowned hospital for sure, and you're lucky to have your spouse working there and, and getting the, all of those bona fides in her uh, resume. So that's that's a very good thing for you. Uh, so... Um, so that's that's kind of gone on. I mean, in the in the interim, uh, you said you went back home from Wentzville twice. Now, exactly when was your reporting date, Lincoln? My reporting date was the Tuesday after Easter. Easter, April twenty third, was the actual physical report date. My paperwork, I believe, read the twenty second. Okay. Yeah. So the twenty third of April, you went. Up through all of May and the early part of June, you've seen your wife twice since all that time. That's that's not uh, all that. I've you know. actually seen her three times. She came up just this past weekend once our daughter was out of school uh, to visit. She was just this weekend. Cool. That's good. That's, that's kind of nice. So you've seen her. You know, it's been very sparse, but still you've seen you've had the ability to see her and your daughter. 
uh, three times in, in the last century, two months, uh, and soon to have your housing situated in the Wentzville area. Now, um, let's get into what you've attempted to do to make others like other people's lives uh, a, a good a, a good experience uh, in this transition. You know, you 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 were in an excellent excellent position with a lot of things and a lot of foresight in your own life, uh, in your spouse's life, uh, so that you were really prepared to move. Uh, I, we didn't touch on your child at all. I don't know if you want to or not about what grade she might be in and if she's close to graduation and how traumatic that might be such as a move for a, a student in, in you know, school. Oh, once again, I'm, I'm in an amazing position for this. Even with that, uh, my daughter is 11. She's heading into the seventh grade. Um, she's, she's a very strong personality, willed person, and she's actually looking forward to coming here because she was having issues with some of the uh, prissier, we'll say, children in her school. Uh, kind of bullying her a little bit, and she doesn't take well to bullies. Uh, I've referred to her as the bully of bullies. She had an incident where a child went to knock her books out of her hand, and she inadvertently gave him a bloody nose. Oh, I'll be darned. <laughs> but but be Sixth grade to seventh grade is like elementary going into junior high, so that's kind of a natural break anyhow for you, right, and her? It's close enough, yes. Uh, the the usual break is fifth to sixth, but sixth to seventh is still in some school districts. It, it's just it's a really good spot yeah, if, right. if you have to do it. Right. Well, that's, that's a plus for you and yours. Um, there's a lot of other people that haven't, been in such a good situation. Now, uh, tell us what you've done to try and help others. I know you've done a really um, amazing thing, and you don't think much of it, and you kind of downplay a little bit in our pre previous conversation. That, uh, but uh, I think that you're selling yourself a little short, but you might want to let us know what you've done to help others. All, all I really did was I started just a Facebook group for the transfers, and we we had let a couple people in that weren't transfers, and there were conflicts of what people felt should be done uh, that are that are transferring in, and what some of the people that are local were telling them that they had to do. Right. And it it created a bit of tension, so we've had to restrict the group back to mostly just just transfers uh, because right. of that situation, sadly. Um, but it's just where the, the transfers can come together, talk, uh, question what, what this one's had to do, what this person's had to do, issues that they've had with uh, management, sometimes the union, who they need to talk to for this issue, how to transfer place, what realtors to look for, where's a good place to go have dinner tonight, uh, all that kind of stuff. Right, right. Okay. Um, 
and that's very been let me tell you <laughs> uh that's been very helpful to a lot of people as you may or may not know uh even some that that you know may be on the page that aren't vocal they're just sitting back and watching and you know they're they're taking notice and they're able to follow that lead because it was talked about on on your page there that's just amazing uh you know we didn't have that when i bounced around in the corporation uh they call us gm gypsies and and we had a few people that we could talk to you know at work or you know we might uh be driving along and see somebody and just say stop at the next little store you know and you know just need to chat for a second but that's that's the extent of what what we had days gone by but this is amazing time in our you know, well our whole this uh, isn't life the first to do this kind of stuff you know so this this isn't the first group for this and uh i i was taking keynotes from uh a friend of mine that's down in spring hill he started one there i mean I've started other groups on Facebook uh, upon request in one case for the, the previous, for my old local um, and a couple other miscellaneous pages. But right. there was one started uh, for Spring Hill, and I watched that a little bit uh, and what he was doing there. And there's one for Fort Wayne, and there's one for Flint because we have people going to all those places. And I do know the people that started the one in Fort Wayne also. Uh, right. I just didn't want to start one for a location where I wasn't physically going. Correct, correct. And, and I'm, you know, we're aware uh, on, in our team that there's, again, Spring Hill, Fort Wayne, Flint, and the one to Winsville. Uh, and there's no common one, but it seems to be working this way, so... Uh, you know, there's no need to give any direction or suggestions uh, about changing it because people, you know, you need your area is specific to where you're going, and and you don't I don't believe you need a common one. I think that you know you need what you what you've done here, and it's just amazing. Uh, I know we've had some people from Wentzville helping out as well. That they I know they're on your page. Uh, maybe even a co-admin uh, or something, but. Uh, you know, because you need that assistance a little bit as well, as long as they're helpful and not being, being you know, just you know, bullying people that are coming there, but rather just helping to answer questions or say this is a good area or a bad area for people to be looking for housing, you know, because you all need that. You know, everybody needs that. Uh, so, um, as you know, it hasn't been easy for everyone uh, to move, and there's been some tragedies. Uh, yes, sadly. And, yeah, and we want we don't you know I mean it's, we want to give the whole story here as you know. Uh, so um, um, I don't know if you know the number, but it, you probably know as well as anybody. Uh, we can't say for sure that it was related to the transfer because some people have their own life circumstances going on. But since the November announcement on November 26th, um, there's been how many suicides did you know of from your group? 
I only know of one suicide. I believe that there's been two or three other uh, passings. I don't know if, if any of them were suicides. I, I do know one was. Um, and I know that there was somebody back home that I don't know if they got a forced letter to come here or not, uh, but passed of a heart attack, which at the very least would have been related to the stress of the whole situation. Right. Right. Well, we had another. There was, to my knowledge, that, that heart attack and two suicides. Uh, and I don't want to okay. get into who and what, but that's, that's our knowledge here. Uh, and it's very sad. I was notified uh, Friday. I got a, a call uh, from an attorney that I counsel with, and he counseled with me quite a bit, uh, a distressed person, and uh, not from uh, your group, but from the closing of the Grand Blank plant that was a stamping plant. And this person was in overload about one of his co-workers committing suicide So uh, over the transfer. Now, we can't ever say that it's exactly because of anything because we really don't know who knows why people do anything but there's uh, a lot of evidence that it may have been related to this and certainly you know the stress of this is just enormous on people's lives Uh, another thing that you may or may not be I think you were part of this one weren't you with the young woman over Memorial Day weekend just said she was going to drag up and quit. Weren't you part of that? Um, that there is somebody that said that they were they were going that they were going home that they were just done with it. I, I don't remember if it was a, a woman or not. Um, yeah. yeah. For some reason, I think Spiders it wasn't the residents. Yes. Yeah. I think it was a lady. So, uh, without naming names, but there's you know just a lot of stress and people are alone. As I indicated, you know, I mean, I'm a pretty strong person, so two and a half weeks without my phone ringing, I could care less. I mean, I enjoy the peace of it sometimes, you know, quite frankly. But you look at it and you kind of go, wow, you know. But some people can't hold up to that. And they're alone. They're in a, you know, a hotel on a long holiday weekend and or some sort of facility that they've rented. And, uh, you know, in this case, I guess there was insects and things around there and somebody went over and helped without getting into too much more than that, I believe the person settled down and is back to work and pretty solid. But it just goes to show you how much we all need to be working together and, um, you know, making it easy for each and every person. Let me ask you, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about in the transition that, that you may not have covered so far? Um, as I'm, I'm coming into the plant, there's, there's a lot of tension in the new plant, uh, with us, towards us. Uh, and I, I know that a lot of us are, that are transferring in are having a, a hard time. I've seen quite a few struggles and I feel that a good portion of that, at, at least, a, a, at least a good portion for most people is going to be your mindset coming in. If you're walking in and you're hating it and you're miserable, 
you're going to make it worse. You're, you're going to increase that, anything that comes at you. And not a lot of people are confrontational or, or can take con- conflict very well. Um, as I've gone through different areas, and I, I have been uh, much more than I thought I would have been quite quickly all over the plant. I spent a day in chassis, two in, in body in the back, and the majority of my time in trim. I've had a lot of people, you can just feel the attitude and the disdain coming off of them because they don't realize that a lot of us are forced in here. They think that we're choosing to come. They're worried about us bumping them, taking their jobs, whether it's just the spot that they're working, what they're doing on the car, or for a lot of the temporary employees that they're going to wind up laid off because we're coming out. Um, I, I don't know that any of that is or isn't going to happen. But a lot of the people, as I've worked around them and talked to them, the majority of them, not all, but the majority have lightened up. They've come to know me. They've, they've come to be more accepting. Um, but not everybody's going to handle the stress of that, that feeling of one wanted like I will. And I think that's creating a lot of problems. I just wish everybody could could see all the opposite sides so that they could treat others better going through this. Having seen the incoming and now being the incoming, I think that I just have a different perspective and understanding of what everyone's going through. Right, right. Let, let me add to that a little, uh, and then we're going to ask the other uh, two gentlemen, brothers on our on our call, to, to you know see if they have anything to say. Um, you know, I, I I get exactly what you're talking about about people coming into a plant and not being accepted all that well. When I moved, uh, obviously I'm from the Valley in Youngstown, Ohio, but I lived here my whole adult life right after high school. I left. I moved up north Michigan and then bounced around. But when I left Flint and came to Lansing, we were there were some, I don't know, had to be close to 1,400 of us. There were you know, 20,000 people in the plant at that time. And they called us the Flintstones, and it was a bad word. They might as well have called you a mother, you know. I mean, uh, so I get that. And we were not well received at all either by our brothers and sisters in the plant or by management because everybody had a relative that they thought should be working in our place. Because of that, that letter I mentioned that I wrote that after we got passed over, 145 of us got passed over, some of us with almost 15 years seniority, 14, I had 14.6 when I came back in, uh, got hired into Lansing. Because of that letter that I wrote, the regional director called me in, and the Stan Marshall and the assistant regional director, who I worked with his son for 20 years, Reuben Burks, uh, called me in and asked me many times, several times, and phone calls as well, what do you want? And 
you know, how is this going to be best? You know, we want you to tell us. We want you to go think about it. Well, I said after a year you get your time, full time. They came up with one January 7th, 1985, and that was a phantom date for all of us with greater seniority, and it was a solid date for everybody who came in afterwards. In other words, most of the corporation today, because of that initial letter that I wrote and subsequent conversations, now have corporate seniority where you go. Can you imagine going there with day one seniority, Lincoln? What would, you know, this was done with a lot of machinations back and forth between all of the levels of our union, from the local, the region, and the international, and finally came up with that phantom date. And today you're seeing it, that wherever you go, and the safety net for anywhere that if, let's say, Wentzville closed, this is the thing that people need to understand. If they were to get shut down, they would go somewhere with their full seniority today, no less than January 7, 1985, or your full seniority. This is a big deal, and everybody needs to understand this was done to protect everybody in our union by a lot of good, caring people, including myself, who, who initiated this. So those listening now need to lighten up on the people coming in because it's done for your benefit if you, if you befall the same fate. Accept your brothers and sisters and reach out in solidarity the same kind of solidarity that Lincoln has expressed to those that are coming into there from Lordstown. He started this page. That's real solidarity right there. Somebody asked me, what's solidarity? It's sticking together for a common purpose. And the common purpose of the people in transition are to help one another and eventually help the place where they're, they're coming to. Believe me, they don't want to come there and do a bad job. They want to do a good job, earn the same money that you do, and have the same respect and seniorities that they had when they hired in, just like the people working there do. That was done for a reason for the betterment of the membership, the entire membership. People are moving today and will be able to make one move and then stay there the rest of their life. Hopefully. Unlike... People like myself who had to, with half of my career in, half of my career in, had to move four times. Think about that. With 15 years having to move four times because you're still low on the totem pole for the local union seniority, even though your OGM date was, you know, 18 years my last move, 19 years my last move. So having said that, um, is there anything else that you want to add, Lincoln, before I ha have the other gentlemen, brothers, uh, uh, you know, say a little bit to you? I I really I can't think of anything else off okay. the top of my head. We've covered a lot. I mean, we've been an, an hour now, so mm. about a lot. So let me bring on. Uh, uh, we'll we'll start with Jeff. Uh, Jeff, I know you're there still on on air. Uh, you want to unmute, come on and, and uh, address uh, Lincoln and have any questions or comments? 
Fortunately, I worked at the same plant for 31 years. I've seen the plant go down the one shift. This is now the third time. And I've seen people come in when we started the second shift back up. So I know what these people are going through, but I want to tell a little story that I don't even think Leroy knows about. Growing up, my childhood, I went to 10 different schools in four different states. So I can tell you as a younger person that moving around like that is just as hard as for, for the adults who are moving from state to state just to keep their jobs. Um, the very last school I went to uh, no one talked to me for a year. Um, most of these, I went, I started school in North Carolina where the military base is at down there in Cherry Point. And we moved to Michigan. We served, went through a couple different schools here in Michigan. Um, then we moved near Dallas, Texas. Went to three different schools because of you know, I was jumping from middle school to junior high and high school. And then I moved on down to a little town called Caddis, Ohio. Um, when I went from um, Michigan to Dallas, um, people didn't really like, like me because I had long hair. Back in those days, you were either a cowboy or a hippie. And to be a hippie, you're... Your hair only has to touch your ears down there at the time. Um, it's, then they, they couldn't understand my the way I talk. It's like people down south, they talk real slow, and I'm not a real slow talker. So it was very hard to communicate with people. But that last trip to um, Ohio, that was very present. In a lot of ways, um, all this was a result of my father not being able to keep a job very long. And that's the truth. He just—he was a very hard man to get along with. With anybody, I didn't like him. I still don't like him. But um, I understand. So I, I would also recommend uh, Lincoln that you provide some type of support group for the kids that are moving around. It's a big change in their life. It's hard for them to be accepted by their peers when they get to another school. And that's all I got. You're right. Good luck, Lincoln. Thank you. Okay. Tom, uh, I see you're uh, on there in the wings. Uh, you want to come in and uh, have a couple of words with Lincoln? Uh, certainly, certainly, Leroy. Uh, if, uh, and Lincoln will probably disagree with me here, but uh, if there ever was a person that could show leadership at its finest and express solidarity silently the way this young man has done in his endeavors with the move and the people up here at Lordstown. Link and I never personally met. We've talked a few times. But this gentleman is at a 
uh, an example of what solidarity can be all about. You touched on it briefly, Leroy, when you were talking to uh, Lincoln. The support he gives to people on an everyday basis on his own time, no no regards for pay, uh, and the help that uh, and direction that he gives them, the mentorship that he gives them, is just beyond uh, my belief for somebody with the type of seniority he has. He does not have a great deal of seniority. Right? He has some seniority. He's got 10, 12 years under his belt. You want to count his four years as a temporary. So he's been around on both ends of the fence, as he said. And he's learned through experience how solidarity and how much it is important to preach solidarity is. And and I can only say this, and this will be the last thing I say because I tend to get long-winded at times. I would have to say, Lincoln, if anybody needs help on this baptismal that we're going to have coming down the road with a, with a strike looming on the horizon, you would be an example to show to people what we're going to need to get through this. Because if, if we don't, if we don't come together here and support one another, regardless of what we think about one another or whether we like somebody or not, we're all a family. And and you've expressed family values and everything you've stated on this program tonight. I, I am so proud that I know you and the others uh, that you've mentioned, Brian down in uh, Spring Hill, and I think it's George up there in Fort Wayne. You guys, uh, young guys, have really did a fine job in leadership, an exemplar, uh, an exemplary job and showing what solidarity can actually accomplish. Thank you, Lincoln. I really appreciate you coming on this show tonight. Thanks. I, 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 you're right. I do disagree. I don't feel that I've, I've done that much. I've, I've done what I feel needs to be done, what should be done, not, not above and beyond. I see where I could do more if I had if I had time, if I didn't have the, the things going on with myself, uh, things I would like to do, and I just I can't. So I, I don't feel I'm going above and beyond. I'm just doing what needs to be done and nothing more. Well, uh, Lincoln, uh, again, you've un- understated who, who you are to all these other people and, and what you are doing. Uh, at the beginning of every one of our shows since we started, uh, we've said, remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. And you are the epitome of that statement. Walter Ruther said, helping your fellow man or someone who is unable to help themselves representing a person is the greatest thing that someone can do and I'm, I'm paraphrasing him because I don't have it off the top of my head and having done it well there's no greater satisfaction than having done it well and you should take great satisfaction in what you're doing because I'll tell you this and I mentioned it to you privately I'm going to say it again here openly you know I we don't just 
have people on the show without vetting them a little bit because we we really want to have pretty solid people on the show when we do bring a, a guest speaker in. And you're not a professional radio person, so I try to lead you through it and get you through it. And uh, none of us are either, really. But you know, we try to make it as easy on the, the guests as we can. But uh, in talking to others uh, about who and what you are, there's not a person that I spoke with, and I spoke with them in Lordstown and in in Wentzville, because we have a big outreach here. And there's not one person that didn't hold you in the highest regard of, of who you are as an individual and what you're doing for the rest of the membership. So uh, thank you. Uh, just I want to echo Jeff and, and Tom, and I know other people listening in the, uh, in the queue that are part of the team and some of them not part of the team. Uh, I want to echo their thoughts. Thank you for who you are and for what you're doing for a membership and demonstrating true solidarity in doing so. So uh, as Tom said, there's more trials for all of us with this con- the next uh, collective bargaining agreement in September. And uh, certainly your leadership in however quiet way you want to demonstrate is going to be needed at your local union. Uh, you know, if you're strike captain or whatever you may be, uh, to, to get through that, there's going to be people who are not going to be in good financial stead, and they're going to need some assistance probably before some others. There will be comments about, well, they shouldn't be here and they shouldn't be in that spot, but they are, and they need, they're need they going to need help so they don't lose their house or their car or anybody go without a meal or a prescription medicine they need. So um, uh, keep that in mind as you move forward. So. And again, thank you for coming on the show. If do you have anything, any other comments of your own, then we can put you back in listen mode. You can st- listen to the rest of the show. We're going to have a long show tonight, folks. So. Uh, no, I I think I'm in good good shape. Uh, I think we've I think I've covered everything. I really do. Um, and I will do what I can when the opportunities arise. So. Thanks a lot. Thank well, thanks you. Thanks for coming on the show, and uh, I'll put you in listen mode now, and, and we'll get on. We have some other stuff. We have some really nice things going on, and we got some tough things going on, too, in our union. So uh, you're, you're welcome to stay and listen, or uh, I'll, uh, I'll put you in listen mode, or if you've got other things to do, just you know feel free to, to move on as well. So for now, I'll just put you in listen mode. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you. All right. Okay, guys. Uh, well, it's tough. I hope that uh, everybody uh, that listens over there at the General Motors, Motors headquarters uh, now gets exactly uh, what's going on. And, it's, and you know, we don't have a, a video here, but you, we put a face to the trials and tribulations and what's going on with this uh, whole exodus of plants. Around the nation, they're like ping, you know, pinballs moving around a pinball machine. In some instances, three, four, five moves. You know, some of them, even with a lot of seniority. And it's just, I mean, but you know, obviously some people put in, they volunteer to, to go. But I, I've known one woman's made five moves. 
in in the last I'm going to say 10 years. So that's a lot of movement. That's a whole lot of movement. And there's you know as uh, Lincoln said, some people were forced in into Lordstown from Janesville and from Flint, from Spring Hill, and now he's working with those same people over in Wentzville. And we need to be accepting of these people if you're the receiving facility, and we need to make sure that these new people aren't sitting home alone for two and a half weeks without their phone ringing. Okay, give them, give them a call. Say, hey, what's your number? I just want to reach out tonight, chit-chat, chit, and see how life's going with you. Be kind. It's the best thing you can do to help these people. So, okay. Um, well, uh, Jeff, uh, why don't you read that first email? And I'll. Uh, this was a, actually a, a note to come in, open a message after our comment after last week's show. If you want to read that. And then I'm going to read that that one in green, the second one. That was an email that came in after our May 19th show, and it's been kind of sitting in queue here for a while. Uh, and uh, we had we weren't going to have a show on Memorial Day, but that was an abbreviated show. And last week we got a little long, and we're just going to go long and cover some of this stuff that we do some housekeeping here. Uh, so, uh, but if you want to read that first one, and we're not going to do any. Um, definition or, or a quote tonight. We'll just get through these email and then we got a few things we need to talk about. So all right. Uh first one. Great show tonight. Thank you for the information regarding pensions. It is greatly needed. Also thank you for providing insight about the temporary employees in the cover photo of Mary Barrow's visit to Fort Wayne. Finally, thank you for keeping the membership informed. Have a great weekend. Name withheld. Right. And that, then we have a, that that was a very nice email coming right in after the show. It's somebody that was in the queue that uh, come on and uh, and made a comment. So we thank, thank uh, that person for the comment. Very much appreciated. And uh, this is someone that's in the queue on the, switchboard every uh pretty much every show so <clears throat> this is a little longer but i'm going to read it in totality totality uh because this brother uh is very sincere about his his message to us and he took a long time to write this and i'm going to read the whole thing uh so it's about three paragraphs uh leroy and jeff hello gentlemen my name is joe and i'm not going to say your last name I took it out of the notes so everybody else, you know, will not be passing it around here but because we've got a little discretion here. So I'm a UAW local 1112 member. The uh, person has a couple decades seniority, not to be specific, so we're not going to point them out. I just wanted to shoot you an email and just let you know about the fabulous job you two gentlemen do not only keeping the listeners informed about the inner workings of the UAW, but also the encouragement that you spread about day-to-day life. And certainly not least, the, and certainly not least, the, UA, the UAW constitution, contracts, and bylaws. I've only been listening for about two years, 
but the information I've learned is priceless, in my opinion. I also, I also want to thank you for the good deeds that Jeff and you, Leroy, have done for the greater good of humanity. When you talked about the lesson you helped the young man understand about mentally strong and able with his wrestling career, and Jeff's story about helping a fellow union member get to Black Lake and another young man's baseball struggle, brought me to the realization that someone's kind words and deeds can have a real major impact on an individual's life, far more than what one can see. By doing the good deeds you men have, have done with folks in your life, most certainly those individuals have learned a life lesson, and they are able to do the same for someone else in their time of need. Most of all, this has inspired me to always keep my eye open and to help one in need. No matter how big or small, just being there to lend a helping hand or a word of encouragement. In closing, I just wanted to thank you for the lesson you men have taught me. Also, this reminds me of someone once of what someone once told me when I was full of doubt. This gentleman told me that the most powerful thing you can tell someone when they're doubting themselves is that I have faith in you. It lets them know that someone is rooting for them and has their back in their time of struggles. Thanks again, Jeff and Leroy. In solidarity, Joe. You know, that's a very nice email from you, Joe. It's been you wrote it a couple weeks ago, but we've been kind of kind of busy, and I'm just going to squeeze it in this week because it deserves to be heard. And much like we told Lincoln earlier, uh, you know, keep up the good work. Uh, what we do here is to encourage people to be the best they can be. To not ever forget that but for the grace of God, there go I. That's kind of what I told Lincoln when I, when I said, you know, the shoe could be on the other foot for those people at Wentzville. Their plant may at some point. We don't want that to happen, but it may at some point close. And then they will be given the same opportunities that these people transferring in are being given there now. So remember, but for the grace of God, there go I. It could be you on the other side of that shoe, so to speak. And the other thing we encourage people to do is distinguish themselves as having done something good for the world. No matter how big or how small, it doesn't have to be something that's out there like, you know, Einstein or uh, George Washington Carver or penicillin. All of those things are big, but sometimes just the little things that you do that are kind to another person will allow for someone in their downline to do great things. Somebody, if you have a question about that, look up Winston Churchill. 
and how, as a child, his father, who was a peasant, was given opportunity, and how his educate Winston's education was subsequently paid for by somebody his father helped, and then the rest is history, so to speak. So you don't know what small kind deed will affect the outcome of the world in some instances. So be kind to your brothers and sisters as they come in and to fellow people around you in your community. This message that Joe sent is a big deal about solidarity, a big deal. Jeff, this was about you, too. You got any comments about it? No, I agree with everything you say. Um, it's time to stop fighting each other and start helping each other. Uh, we see it in the streets, our evening news, all these bad stories going around, killings, uh, rape, well, whatever, whatever it is. It's time to start doing something good for each other instead of fighting. Tom, you got, got kind of like that. Go ahead, sorry, Jeff. I, did, I thought you were done. Sorry. No, kind of like Dr. King's uh, vision, if you remember all of his speeches. So I got you right. Okay, yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Tom, you got a comment on that email? On that email, I believe it was an excellent email, and it's it's made the ingredients of that email basically is what we're going to need when we're going to uh, approach uh, the July opening of the so-called contract uh, collective bargaining process, rather. And uh, if we if we have people of that mentality, uh, and we have to resort to a strike. Uh, people like that are the people that are going to lead us and help us through this thing and actually are the the, the the leaders of the future. Now, you said he had 20 years. I mean, he could be a young guy. He could be like my son. He, he's 38 years old with 20 years of seniority out at Lordstown, and uh, yeah, he's still got a long time to go. Uh, but uh, that that letter was from his heart and if you listen to it and the way you presented it it uh, should motivate a lot of people well that's what we're about here so we'll see how that that works and that just doesn't go for people transferring it means if you're in a solid situation or if you're in a leadership position you need to make sure that you're helping trying to lord over your other people with your so-called position because this is important times in our life unions whole local unions are in the balance their their very existence may be in the in the balance or uh, the possibility of other opportunities so uh that's enough for our email I want to thank the writers uh, uh joe thank you very much for that one uh, and uh, we we appreciate that. Uh, you know, we don't read them all fully on the air all the time, but yours uh, kind of struck me. Uh, that was sent into our email at workingforaliven at workingforaliven.com. Uh, 
So working for a living at workingforaliving.com. They do get through, and sometimes we read the whole thing, uh, and we appreciate that. Uh, so uh, let's uh, let's talk about solidarity. That was one of the other things on the agenda. Uh, we've kind of hit on it a couple of different ways through the other stuff in the in the radio show. Uh, I'll throw this out and then uh, ask uh, Jeff and then Tom uh, their thoughts on solidarity. Uh, that you know everybody's out there saying, well, we need more workplace solidarity. We need work work floor solidarity. Uh, we need solidarity. I mean, there's people out there criticizing us and they never even heard our show, uh, and now they're calling for solidarity. Uh, you know, one of the easiest things you can do is wear a red shirt. We talked about that last week for solidarity. Just show your support on Wednesdays uh, with wearing a red shirt. You don't have to go to a rally or event, risk being outed or, uh, you know, shot. In some instances, people, you know, on these these places, hell, they were having a, a, a rally in Washington, D.C., a parade, and they thought there was somebody uh, shooting a, a pistol, and it turns out it was... Nobody, but somebody did get arrested for carrying a pistol. And this happened this weekend. Uh, so you're always, when you're in the public, you're risking your life. But it's pretty easy to wear a red shirt. Nobody's going to shoot you for wearing a red shirt. In most cases, I, I hope they're not going to do that. But uh, the, the uh, deceased, Dick Dangin, uh often said, one of the only times you see true solidarity is when you're on the picket line. And that uh, uh, is uh, some uh, the time when everybody sticks together because your jobs are online. More so today because of the, the uh, striker replacement law today in the last 35 years at least, 33 or so years, since they've been starting to implement that part of the Wagner Act, enforce it. So, Jeff, what, is, what are your thoughts on solidarity? Uh, exactly like you said, Leroy. There's no other way to put it. It's uh, working together for the same cause. Everybody's sticking together. Um, it's, it's what it is. Helping each other out. It's, you know, it's what it is. Well, if, let's let's say this, Jeff. If you if you had a group of thugs out there, you know they're coming over there with with uh, baseball bats and and hammers and uh, chains that they're swinging around and and other stuff. Would you want to face them all by yourself, or would you like to have you know an equal or greater number of them standing next to you? Uh, I'd rather have a greater number standing next to me. Yeah. Right, yeah. At least you kind of neutralize it, huh? Maybe, maybe yes, you do. Prevail or scare them away, or you know something. You know, perception is, yep. you know, is, is a lot of the the uh, the whole being successful. You know, um, Aristotle said a perceived threat is a real threat. So mm-hmm. if we if we're perceived as being a real threat, just because we all wear red shirts on Wednesday, then that's a real threat to management, then, isn't it? According to what yes, else? it is. Okay, I just yeah. want to check. You agree? Let's see. Uh, let's see what uh, Tom 
has to say about solidarity. Tom, you there? We lose him? Tom, are you there? I can't hear you if you are. Wait a second. We'll get him here back. Somehow he got into listen mode. I must Tom, are you there? I'm there. Yeah, yeah I'm here. Can you hear? I must have bumped something when I stood up to, to answer that third phone or so. Um, sorry about that. Uh, so your thoughts yeah. on solidarity? Yeah, solidarity is a must. I mean, if you're looking at what we're facing here as union people, uh, especially in the auto industry, uh, and uh, I've been following the United Transportation situation with American Airlines quite quite closely and talked to a few people I I have a uh, cousin that uh, works for American Airlines, and uh, you, you, I just listening to her sometimes talk. Uh, it's nightmarish uh, what they're doing with people, uh, outsourcing their work and what have you. But uh, if, if we're to be successful going forward this year, it is going to be a must that all of us have the same common goals and not to give in. We need to stick together. We need to fight with our leadership to get improvements in all of the concessions that we have given up, not just a few. Let's go after all of them. I mean, they've made themselves fat off of what we gave up back in 2008, 2009, 2007, so on and so forth. The concessionary contracts need to be put the bed. We need to move forward. We need to get the money back that we've lost. We've not kept kept up with our incomes. Uh, we need to do uh, uh, stand together in a strike line. And when that contract comes out, if we don't like something in that contract, we need to speak up. And when we go vote, we need to go vote in a block. Period. Whether whether or not they allow temporaries to vote. We need to educate our people, the temporaries especially, uh, and we're, we're only going to do it with people like we had on the show tonight. Those people have been through everything. Uh, they hired in under a different contract. They, they, they've uh, not had the same benefits. I mean, we've got to get back to what that UAW, and Jeff preaches it almost every week. We need to get back what the UAW Constitution says, we are all one, period. That's about it, Leroy. And uh, what Jeff said uh, was correct and what you said was correct. We just need to get these people out here at these different locals, and there's a lot of them out there right now that are really wide awake, their eyes are wide open, and they're ready to march. They're ready to stand for justice for the American working class, and that's what we need to do. That justice has to be done in this contract. My fears are uh, losing something that our founders had given us on solid ground 
They fought with blood, with their blood, sweat, and tears to get us a union that was strong. We need to get back to that, Leroy. And uh, if we don't, uh, I'm just afraid it's uh, it's going to be a downward spiral from here on out. We can't keep giving in to the greedy, capitalist, globalist agendas that have been put forth by greedy corporations. That's it, Leroy. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll add to that uh, about the sticking together and not forgetting where we are, and we've had a downward spiral for some time. You know, our, our we used to pay off Social Security in the beginning of May, end of April. That would be our, you know, our annual uh, responsibility to Social Security. Today that number is around $120,000. If you paid that off at the end of April or the beginning of May, our wages, as they were reflected in the up until the early 80s, would be $360,000 right now. That's with a lot of overtime. But that was our buying power back in the late 60s, 70s, and early 80s, $360,000. And that's how much our wages have been suppressed. And a brother once told me, he said, you know, our biggest challenge now is to get everybody to think that $30 an hour is not very much money, even though people have gotten used to living on it. In order to make $360,000, okay, you'd have, I mean, with overtime, you'd have to be making somewhere around $80 an hour. That's 160 with, and then a few benefits, you'd be close to 200. And then with some overtime, a lot of it, you could get to 360. And you could pay off your Social Security by the 1st of May. That's a big jump from where we are now. But it's also a big, big suppression from where we once were. And we need to get that back there. I want to remind everybody what I, I alluded to it when I was talking to Lincoln. I hired into the very building where the sit-down strike took place. And an old guy, obviously a sit-downer, from the sit-down strikes, yes, I worked with them, with them, some of them. Not during the sit-down strike, but... 32 years later. He said to me, he took, he took it upon himself to be the Union Awareness Committee member. He came to me and he said, as we walked out, grabbed my right shoulder with a vice grip, people died right here on this sidewalk so you could work here today. And don't you ever forget it. And more people need to be repeating that to our new members, and to our old members who have forgotten it. We need to get back to what we once were. We are the United Auto Workers. We don't want anybody new coming in, telling us what to do. We are the United Auto Workers. Um, 
next subject, and we have very little time, guys. We've got 12 minutes. Uh, this will be a two-hour show, and the two hours we cut off. So, uh, Walgreens Healthcare, let me touch this real quick, and then if you've got any comments, uh, they have decided that they uh, uh, no longer want to subsidize medical benefits for former, former employees who haven't turned 64 by March 31st. Uh, this is uh, old news, it seems to be, but this is a new, this was an article of Friday, so this was posted. Uh, and 65 is actually the date you get Medicare, so 64. There's some little errors in this, uh, and it says some 555 retirees receive subsidies. Uh, up to $12,000, as part, another part of the article says, until they reach 65, okay? Maybe that's where they're getting, no, you got to turn 65 to get Medicare unless you're on some special program. Um, and here it says, benefits experts said it's unusual to take away subsidies from retirees already receiving them. Let me say this, because of McKnight versus General Motors, you may not take anything from an existing retiree that's settled law another thing that i never did for the membership for those who were challenging me way back a year ago they never done anything for anybody my ass the experts are wrong in this instance all they need to do is look it up it's been cited in uh, case after case in Michigan, I'm told by several attorneys, it's a big deal, and they've gotten away with it. Just look up the law and or look up the case law and look up the citations in, that have used it in support of their case, and they can't take health care away from these poor people. It's a vested benefit. It was tried to be it tried to be challenged at the appellate court level in the Viba case by the Ford attorney who said, "Oh well, these are not vested benefits because of Yardman and that's that well, guess what the judge said they're vested that's not the issue here that was settled law in the in the appellate court in my presence, I watched the judge remand the attorney for Ford. So let's stay on track, all of you experts out there. People have really done some good work to preserve these benefits, and it shouldn't be lost because some expert can't get their head out of their ass. Okay, next issue. Any comments, Tom and Jeff? we got a little time, not much. No, no you're right. No. Okay, good. We'll go to the next one. GM, no product at Lordstown. Mary Barra said that late earlier this week. Um, uh, I don't know about anybody else on the planet. When somebody tells me there's there's no new product coming ever, that means you've closed it. you got like six people working there to maintain the building so that there's a, a, a fire or a, a, a leak in a roof. And I guess they're running brine through the Alpo 
and make sure that continues to do it so it doesn't destroy the, the property itself. This is maintenance of the, the property. There is no business being done there anymore. It's maintenance of the property. When you additionally say there's no work coming there, you essentially change the status from unallocated to closed. And I hope and pray that all those responsible for the bargaining at Lordstown, whether it's at the local level, the regional level, the international level, or the lawyers in the the court case about the closing of Lordstown, that we certainly suggested way back in December and January and subsequently occurred, pay attention to the change of status here and act accordingly because the flow of money, the avalanche, the waterfall of money in a plant closing just dwarfs what's being done at the moment. Enormous amounts of money are available for plant closings. So go out there and represent the members and forget about your power and control battles that you may be having. Represent the members like you're supposed to be, elected and non-elected people, and get this job done. Do your job. Okay. Next issue, Volkswagen. They're going to have a vote this week to join the UAW. Last time they had a vote at Volkswagen, let me tell you what occurred subsequently. There's an organization out there that's a global labor organization called Industrial. It's similar to the AFL-CIO, only on a, a global basis. The AFL-CIO is a federation of unions we're, that we belong to as a UAW. And every other uh, member is simply that, a member of the AFL-CIO. The AFL-CIO does not directly represent any single member. Only the, the affiliation of the uh, national unions, virtually not even the local unions. But, you know, you may be affiliated at the local level because there's a local, state, and federal level for the AFL-CIO. But they directly don't represent anybody. It's affiliation of the unions, okay? That's essentially what Industrial is. However, Industrial posted this on April 26, 2017. I'm going to read it. December, in December 15. December 2015, an overwhelmingly, overwhelming majority of more than 70% of the skilled trades workers voted to be represented by Industrial Affiliate United Auto Workers UAW. Yet Volkswagen Chattanooga is refusing to bargain with them, with UAW Local 42, even after the U.S. government has ordered the company to do so. So, Industrial posted this. Let's hope that Industrial is not 
representing Volkswagen that the UAW is with an American style and not a German style work German style works council that's elected by management. We wish that the workers at Lordstown at, at uh, I'm sorry Chattanooga at Volkswagen vote to join the UAW with American style representation. With all of our hearts, we wish for that to occur. Please do join our great UAW with an American-style representation system. Okay. All right, any closing comments or comments about what I just said? No, Leroy. No, Leroy, familiar with the story, though. Okay, and we can cover a little more. We, we, we want a UAW there. We want it represented by American-style labor law, okay? Uh, works councils, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, you write a complaint. Management and union members on the works council election con- conducted by management vote on your complaint if you don't agree with it, the only essential justice is to take it to the outside court structure at your own expense. God help you if you need a fatigue map mat on your job and they say no. It costs them a couple hundred bucks, costs you ten grand to try and go get it in the court system. Let's keep that in mind as we hope and pray that they joined the UAW with an American-style representation system. Okay. Uh, any closing comments, Jeff and Tom? we got a minute and 50. Jeff? Nope. Tom? No. Tom? No. I'm okay. fine. Okay. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being on the show. We want to extend a special thank you to Lincoln and all of our hearts go out to each and every person that's struggling with the transfer, no matter, no matter where you're go, transferring to. If you ever find yourself in a situation where you're desperate, reach out to somebody. Please talk to somebody about it. There are people here that will help you. Contact us. We'll get you pointed in the right direction and help you. Next week is Father's Day weekend. Out of respect for work-life balance, there will be no show unless we have an emergency in the meantime. Good luck to everybody throughout the weekend, and thank you so very, very much. Good night, folks. Good night, listeners. Good night, Jeff and Tom. Good night. Good night.